All right, so why this passage today? Because it's one of my favorite passages in the Bible. And I say that, well, I really mean it. Uh, because it includes some of my favorite applicational verses, a life verse, so to speak, for me. Uh, and one that I've had to refer to many times in my life. It also kicks me in the posterior um, several times a week just because it does. Um, and it's just, it's just meant a lot to me. But I've got to give a little explanation about it at first. Um, we're not going to go through verses. We're going to go through paragraphs. Why is that? Well, ancient Greek does not have punctuation. Ancient Greek is written in paragraphs. There's no sentences. There's no question marks. There's no periods. There's none of that stuff. There were no chapters in the original writings. There were no verses in the original writings. And the chapters were added in the 4th century. I learned this week, finally got it right in my mind, that the 4th century is the 300s. Okay? They took me a while. Uh, and then in 1551, Robert Stephanus added the verse divisions in his fourth edition of the Greek New Testament um, and, and the chapters. But the problem is some of his verse divisions don't make a lot of sense. And especially in this little three or four paragraphs here. And because of that, there were some who said that he was drunk most of the time when he put the verse divisions in there. Others said that he did it while riding horseback. And every time the horse bopped up, his pin would drop and you go, okay, there's a good verse. And in this section, the horse must have been going over some really rocky ground. Because... Um, there's a lot of things. So we're going by paragraphs. We're going to look at four things. Reminder, the responsibility, the result, and the routine. And what does that mean? Colossians 3, 1, since you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will appear with him in glory. That's kind of the reminder we're going to look at. Note that we've been raised with Christ. This is not a future event. We as Christians have been changed. We have been raised with Christ. We're living a new type of life. It's different than our old type of life. And Paul tells us here uh, two things because there's two things that usually drive us as people on planet Earth. One is our emotions. 
And one is our logic or our facts. Paul touches both of those. He says, set your heart on things above in this. That's the emotions. The ancient Greeks thought that that's where our emotions came from, was from the heart. We still believe that today. I mean, what do we give on Valentine's Day? Little pictures of brains? No, we give hearts. Why? Because that's kind of the seed of our emotion that we think about. But he also says, set your minds on things above. So our hearts above and our minds on things above. The idea here is that we should be Christ focused in all that we do. We don't do everything perfect and I'm going to reiterate that several times today because in my life I think I'm like a human being on planet earth. I don't do everything perfectly. Uh, I know some people that think they do but um, you know we just live in this world but we need to be Christ focused with all that we do. And it doesn't mean we forget around the, about the world around us and our responsibilities there. I mean, we got to live here. We've got to earn a living. We've got to have a roof over our heads. Some have to run a business. Many have to raise a family and deal with families in the future. Um, but as Christians, we're to have that goal of doing things the way Christ wants, him to, wants us to do. Paul told the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 10, 31, so whatever you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Can we run a business to the glory of God? Absolutely. Can we raise our families to the glory of God? Absolutely. But just keep in mind, the world we live in has a different view. It's about self-glory. It's about making self the main thing. But by our faith as Christians, it's about making God the main thing. Doing what he wants us to do. To the world around us, people should look at us and say, hey, they're different. They're not the same as we are. And then when we get to the responsibility part of this, Paul puts it this way. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs in your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry, because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways and the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to one another, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge and the image of its creator. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. 
Now, there are several points in this paragraph that all tie back to our earthly nature, our humanness, so to speak. Those things seem to come natural to all people. But many of them are things that we as Christians should do without in our lives. And I'm not saying I'm not saying perfection, but to live in a direction. To try to follow Christ closer and closer each day. When Paul says put to death, he's saying we need, need to do all we can through the power of the Holy Spirit to live without these base sins that he's mentioned. And the first five deal with sexual issues. Sexual issues apart from marriage. He mentions sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed. And all these lumped together, the way they're written in the paragraph, are all focused on inappropriate sexual desires. We look in the world around us today, and we see and hear a constant bombardment of illicit sexuality. Things that ought not to be in the lives of Christians. Please understand this is nothing new. I mean, we've seen it kind of progress in this country of late. And then you got the internet and you've got, you know, tic-tac and, and did I say something wrong? TikTok, thank you. Whatever that is. And Instagram. And that, that just makes it more pronounced around us. Yeah, speak for yourself. <laughs> Just to show you the, the last thing uh, that Paul mentioned here in this, this little section was evil desires, and that translates directly into lechery, which is um, a whole other thing. And greed brings it all together. It's pulling it, all those things into us. We got to have it. We got to have more. And so this first section relates to all those illicit desires. And we ought not to participate in those in any way, shape, or form. We ought to put that barrier up between us and the world in that sense. Then there's a next grouping, a second list, so to speak, which are not so much personal as social. But it's interesting, some of the scholars I read about this, because I'm not a scholar, um, had a very interesting idea about this, that these lists build on each other. And so this next grouping, rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips. And it deals with one idea. It's, it's something that happened to me on numerous occasions as a young construction worker. 
where you know you're the newest apprentice on the job and you get out there and you can't do anything right. And it relates to the berating of people, of chewing them out, and it progresses. You know, it, it, each step, each one of those words gets worse and worse and worse, and then ending with a litany of what would be considered filthy words. It's not that occasionally sometimes we slip, you know, we all slip on occasion. I remember the first time I ever heard, heard my sainted mother slip. I was in seventh grade, and she opened a drawer in the kitchen, and it dropped out and fell and broke her toe. And she screamed, shucks! Or some variation of that theme. Um, and she apologized for it immediately. But, you know, we need to change. We need not to let those kind of words slip from us. We shouldn't use them on a regular basis. And then do not lie to each other. And that means to speak deliberate falsehoods or to deceive someone with a lie. And no matter what the purpose of our lying, the verbiage here is empathetic. Empathetic? Emphatic. I'll get my notes right here. Do not lie. You know, if, you know that's one of the Ten Commandments. Number nine to be exact. This includes telling a lie to hurt someone in some way. All forms, forms of gossip. All forms of snide remarks. Nothing twists my ears a little bit more a little bit than somebody who says, well, I heard. Or so-and-so said. It's not right. It's not right. And Paul says, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, he's using that as an example of what we're to do Everybody know who Mike Rowe is? Everybody, anybody not like Mike Rowe? All right, because if you did, I was going to ask you to step outside for a minute. <laughs> Just joking. Imagine you have a Mike Rowe kind of dirty job. Really dirty job. And at the end of the day, you go home and you move those, take those clothes off on the back porch because they are too dirty to take in the house. And you go in and you shower and you scrub yourself up, you clean up the best you can. Uh, your next logical step is then to go back to the back porch and put all those dirty clothes on, right? Uh, no. No. My wife would have a fit if I did something like that. I would have a fit if she did something like that. 
Paul is using the illustration of taking off the dirty and putting on something clean. And that we should do that in our lives. That we should get rid of that bad stuff and put on the new stuff. Take off, Paul mentioned several times uh, in Ephesians, Colossians, and Corinthians, and he usually forms the words with put off the old and put on the new. And the Greek phrase has to do with changing clothes. And that's what he's meaning here. And why would we do that? Because then our new self can be renewed in the knowledge and the image of its creator. Now, how many of you found Christ one day and became a perfect person? Anybody? Nobody? Renee, put your hand down. I'm, I'm just joking. <laughs> I'm just joking. Um, it's not an overnight thing. It's a process. It's something we do every day. Taking off the old and putting on the new. Eventually, we're going to get to a point where we need to throw those socks away. And replace them with something new. It takes time to be conformed to the image of our creator. Paul goes on to indicate who this applies to. It's all Christians. It's all of us. He writes here, there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Christ is in all of us. There's no person left out of that list. No person on earth who ever has been or ever will be. Gentile or Jew is just a simple contrast, meaning this applies to those who are not Jews as well as Jews. It doesn't matter whether you follow the circumcision group or not. Barbarians are those uneducated folks who did not speak Greek. So that's the rest of us. I spent a year and a half in Greece. I still remember one phrase. I understand nothing. Wisest thing I ever learned, I think. So the barbarians were uneducated. The Scythians were the worst of the worst culturally. They didn't even know which fork to use at dinner, you know? (laughs) They were loud, boisterous, and uncouth. They came from, uh, pardon? Like me, is that what somebody said? No. They came from uh, the area we would call Russia today. 
and they, they would fight. They were the Klingons of their time, for those of you who are, know about Star Trek-y stuff. But they're the kind of people Jesus would have said, hey, come over here and let's sit down and have a meal together. All of us. These things Paul's talking about apply to all of us. And then this third thing, the, the result. This is the paragraph that I hated to read, the one that kicked my nether areas so much. But as my life changed, it became a passage I referred to often. A couple of sections here are, are absolutely things that I have to remember all the time. It says, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothed yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. We are, these apply to us, chosen people. If we have faith, I had faith. We are holy, we're set apart, we're different. People used to tell me I was different. I was, we're, we're different maybe, but different. We are dearly loved. How many of you guys feel dearly loved? Dearly loved. The words agapio, the love part, the dearly part. Now check this out because this is so cool. It has the idea of snuggling down into a soft, clean robe on a cold night. Now doesn't that just give you goosebumps? You know, just snuggling down in that love and just letting it wrap around you. And then from the confines of that robe, show compassion. I wasn't very good at compassion. I'm a little bit better these days. But I didn't have a lot. And kindness? Sure. Why would I be kind to anybody? Nobody is ever kind to me. Until I realized I got the greatest kindness of all from Jesus Christ. And humility? Finally, my grandpa sat me down because I had none, no humility. And he opened his Bible to Romans 12, 3. And he pointed his big bony finger out. I guess mine are big and bony now too, but he pointed his big bony finger at it and he, and he said, read this. And it said, for by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, 
but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. And then he began a two and a half hour sermon on humility. My wonderful grandfather. I loved him. I hated some of those lessons, but I loved him. And then gentleness and patience. Those things are what makes a Christian. Those things are what makes us different. And then bearing with one another. Ah. Putting up with people. For some of us, that's just not a very strong forte. I mean, one of the most common things I hear from other people is you can't fix stupid. You know, and it just depends on what end of the you might be on because everybody I know has done a stupid thing or two, including me. But really, some of us Christians can be really obnoxious. We can be hard to deal with. We can be rude. Any of those things ever apply to you? Be honest now. You know, yeah. You didn't have to raise your hand. <laughs> My son used to crack me up. He'd, he'd, he'd uh, I don't know where he heard this, but he'd say, we are all different, they shouted in unison. Man, we got to put up with each other. We got to deal appropriate with each other. There's another saying, it's not biblical, but it says the faults we see clearly in others are our own faults. Man, and I didn't like that pointing a finger at somebody and having three pointing back at me. So, how are we to live? We're to let Christ dwell in us richly. And then forgive one another. If anyone has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. I don't know why, I don't know why we make that difficult. Well, they didn't come and repent to me. Well, so what? Where is it in the Bible that says they have to repent to you? I mean, if they do, you've got to forgive them, but why have an unforgiving heart and let it build up with anger and frustration at somebody? Just forgive them. Because if you, if you just forgive people, you know what? It frees you up. I mean, I've lived with the he stole my cookie thing. And that was just Friday working on the bathrooms. I've also dealt with he killed my dad. All of us have made mistakes with other people. 
All of us have had affected others in not so nice a way. Are you aware of every instance where you stepped on somebody's toes? Well, I guarantee you other people are not aware of every instance when they stepped on yours. But why make a big deal out of it? Just forgive. Just let it go. It helps them and it helps you. Have you asked for forgiveness for each and every offense you've ever committed? Think of that. I can't even remember half the sins I've confessed to God or not confessed. Just God forgive me my sins because there's so many. Well, we're all that way with each other too. Just forgive as Christ forgave us. What does he hold against you? What does God hold against you even when you come and repent? Nothing. It said, oh, as far as the east is from the west. Uh, am I doing the right direction here? No. As far as the east is from the west thing. You know, that's how far he moves our sin from us. It's a straight line distance. Can't we do that with our other people we need to be forgiving people and I'll close with this last paragraph let every let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts this is a routine we need to get into. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you rich, richly as you teach, excuse me, and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts, and whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Once I got to this point, I realized I had a long way to go. But I'm working on it. And my wife's working on me. It's just a joke. Don't. But trying to let the peace of Christ rule my life. Not getting upset at every little thing. Not staying upset at every little thing. I was discombobulated a little bit this week when some kid snuck over the fence and stole some of our tools out of the bathroom. Kind of a bummer. My first thought was, I'm going to get this kid. Now, you know what? God will give him his, his, what he's due. And it may be forgiveness and grace 
And who am I to do less than that? And the great whatever right at the end of this, whether, whether in word or deed, do all the name, all in the name of the Lord Jesus. The great whatever, whatever we do, whatever we do.